Hi guys and welcome to the ACM podcast. This week we're joined by National Fitness Games winner Rob Hartley. Rob spoke to us about moving to London to begin a career in the fitness industry, moving out to Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, and gives us his tips and tricks as to how to be successful at any functional fitness event. Hope you enjoy, guys. One thing we often ask our guests, we like to find out a bit about their sporting background, if they had a history in sport, if they had a first passion. Uh, we knew you didn't have always a fitness career. You had a sort of career before fitness. Uh, so I guess we want to just ask, how did you start with fitness? Was there a sport? How did you get into things like growing up? Sure. Yeah. Uh, first of all, uh, obviously, I just want to thank you both for having me on here. I know you've had some great guests so far, so very um, grateful for having me. Where shall I start? Uh, I think like a lot of kids, I, I dabbled in a lot of sports. Football was always the main one for me up until about the age of 15. Um, I was decent, nothing special, but um, I never really trained for it. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't really enjoy the training per se. Um, I just enjoyed playing. Um, I got to about 15 and then um, I discovered alcohol and other things like a lot of kids as well, I think. And from about the age of 15 to 17, for want of a better word, I was just a bit of a, a little shit, really. Um, just getting into trouble and things, so kind of strayed away from sports for the most part. And then at about 17, um, one of my older friends from college basically took, took me under his wing, took me to the gym. And um, the gym, for me, was a bit of a, a, a saviour in that it just gave me some focus, gave me some purpose to, to uh, get me away from the trouble I was getting in and things. And um, yeah, I was just very fortunate in that my friend was quite an experienced gym goer at the time, so he knew what he was doing, and yeah, just showed me the ropes from a young age. Wait, was that just a commercial gym? It wasn't no, no. any sort of functional fitness or CrossFit style gym. It was actually um, proper bare bones, strongman bodybuilding warehouse slash shed gym called Results. Yeah, you know, typical like Atlas Stones, just big burly men. I was a 17-year-old kid, but being around those types of people uh, definitely inspired me. Um, and, you know, if you sort of surround yourself by people who are a lot better than you, then your perception of what's possible changes quite quickly. I found myself getting results quite quickly. The name of the gym was actually Results. Mm. Um, and I was just following a typical... Uh, bodybuilding, strongman, um, powerlifting type program for the better part of about six years. So from about 17 to 23, that was that was my background. That's that's where my fitness training career started, I suppose. Yeah, and one thing we wanted to ask, we detected a slight accent uh, in your voice. Where is it where you, that you actually grew up, Rob? Uh, Aberdeen in Scotland. Aberdeen, okay, no, that's cool. Uh, and then was there a point where you moved away from home? I mean, we know you didn't go straight from that into personal training. There was a point where you were working a different career. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So, um, like I said, um, from about 17 to 23, I was just training in the gym. Um, through, that, through that time, I was also studying to become an engineer. And then I worked as an engineer in the oil and gas industry for two years, from 21 to 23. But I didn't really enjoy it. And I've always enjoyed fitness. So at the age of 23, I decided to pack it in 
and pursue a career in fitness. Moved myself down to London. Um, I figured if I'm going to build a client base somewhere, why not do it somewhere different, somewhere that I'd actually like to stay for the long term. So I was like weighing up my options between Edinburgh, London, elsewhere. I ended up deciding on London. And then I did my PT qualification in the first month in London. I was actually staying in hostels for the first few months. And then I got a job in Gymbox after my first month. So I was, st- I was still staying in hostels whilst I had my job in Gymbox. I was just working there from morning till night and trying to pay the bills, the expensive bills in London. So yeah, I was there, I was there in Gymbox for about three, four years. Right. Okay. And so did you know anyone in London before then? Obviously you're in Aberdeen. Did you know friends, family? Did you have any connection to London or was it simply just the draw of that being the place you imagined yourself setting up a client base? As you said, you're in hostels. So I presume you didn't know people there already or? Yeah. My oldest brother lived in South East Kent. So I had, um, the intention was to sort of fly between him and London and the, the PT training school. But I ended up just taking the plunge and living in hostels. Yeah, I never knew anyone, to be honest. So yeah, it was a pre- pretty rough first couple of years, to be honest. Um, I was in quite a lot of debt after a while because I, I was struggling to make ends meet in the gym, paying rent at the, the flat I was staying in. Um, once I got a flat, that was. Um, didn't have any friends and things. Proper sob story right now. But uh, <laughs> no, it was actually fine. Um, I enjoyed every every minute of it you know the grinds just working your way up was that was there one point that sort of tipped from it being a bit of a struggle to things are really starting to kick off now was there something in particular I guess when um when I moved in with my ex-girlfriend things started to change a little bit the flat was slightly nicer you know it's like in London and when there's two of you splitting the bills you can afford a bit more um it wasn't long after that that I got into CrossFit as well, um, which was a huge shift for me in terms of my training and, again, I guess, in terms of my coaching as well. And, yeah, just the longer you're there, the, the more hours you put in, eventually those clients start sticking around. And, yeah, it, it gets a bit more comfortable. And did that sort of period dabbling in CrossFit uh, sort of give you the um, bug to start competing as well? I, well, I suppose... One of the reasons I got into it is because I watched, I can't remember what the, the name was at the time, Fittest on Earth, maybe the oh, yeah. documentary. Um, it was one of the CrossFit Games documentaries anyway, and I was just blown away by what they were capable of. Like, I didn't think it was possible to be that strong and that fit simultaneously. Um, and I remember going into the gym the next week and trying Fran. That was the first work that I tried. And I got like a time of maybe 12 minutes or something. I was just dying from the get-go. And it's just, ultimately, it was just like a really humbling experience. Um, so I don't think I had any ambitions of competing at that point. But I joined the CrossFit gym. And because of my background in strength training, I found that if you have that base in strength training, you will fairly quickly rise up the ranks so yeah within about a year or two you start doing local competitions and things you, you start doing well there and then 
you know, it's a very gradual process. I think after a while you start to believe in yourself. So how long ago was that? How long ago was the, the first, your first sort of experience of, of competing? Because obviously now we know recently, you know, congratulations, you won the elite individual male national fitness games, which you are going to talk about a little bit as well. But so how long was that period of time between the first time, obviously trying Fran and winning an individual competition? Um, that's a good question. Um, probably about three, four years mm-hmm. before NFG. I went through peaks and troughs when it came to competing, you know, injuries and things getting in the way. Um, and of course, NFG is different from CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Turf Games, NFG is slightly different from CrossFit. Um, so, you know, one thing I would say is, although I'm uh, nothing to take away from NFG, and I'm, I'm obviously very proud of my achievement there, the competition there isn't the same at this stage as you know the, the high level crossfit competitions i did compete in a couple crossfit competitions uh but i suppose the european Championships was the biggest one for me yep. um again very humbling experience there's some absolute beasts out there there really is um yeah in the last year or two i've sort of took a step away from crossfit and focused more on other things in life which means i can still maintain and um, focus on and enjoy competing at fitness events but to compete in CrossFit you really need to commit your whole life to it there's so much going on there would you say that you then prefer would you say you prefer that style of training is it just sort of not easier but as in it's it's more uh, all-encompassing you feel like you can balance it a little bit more competing in fo- like sort of functional fitness type events rather than just purely CrossFit yeah I'd say so um it's it's just uh, if you want to be competitive in CrossFit, it is a, a full-on life commitment. Mm-hmm. You look at some of the big guys in the UK, like Reggie Fassa, and Zach George, and mm-hmm. Elliot Simmons, and what have you, um, which will all be competing soon in the Open, and I'm looking forward to seeing how they get on. Um, but uh, to be competitive in CrossFit, you really have to give up your life. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in functional fitness, you can you can still maintain uh, you know a fairly normal life um also i think it just it favors my strengths as well i've always enjoyed grunt work i've always enjoyed just pure hard work um i've got a decent engine relatively strong so um it favors me as well yeah that's cool um so speaking of that work-life balance then, or sort of not giving up your entire life to be a, a professional CrossFit uh, athlete, we see that you're based in uh, Riyadh out in Saudi. Um, be really interested to find out about kind of how that opportunity came up to work at 24N. Yeah. Um, so I guess by this point, I've been in London for about three years and I'd gone from having nothing to actually being very comfortable. I was living in Westminster with a good friend of mine and colleague of mine at the time, about five minutes away from the gym. I had a fairly steady client base. Um, everything was just fairly steady. And I felt like I grew so much as a person in the struggles I went through during the early stages of London. I was ready to step outside my comfort zone um, again. And I just feel like that's where you grow as a person. So um yeah just, i just i handed in my notice 
and I was like, right, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm doing something different. And by that point, I was, uh, I was actually just going to move to Bali and try and make something work. I had nothing planned in particular. I was going to do some online personal training somehow. You know, I figured if I just threw myself out there, I'd somehow make it work. Um, but at the time, I was training for strength and depth internal pairs uh, with a guy called Jordan Shuttleworth. And um, I remember in one of our training sessions, we were talking about it and he mentioned to me, have you ever thought about what Dean Vallis is doing? Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know Dean Vallis at the time, but um, I saw on his stories that he was based in Riyadh. So I just had a little look into to the company he was working for and I saw that they had these trainer standards, these standards that the trainers must um, test and, and meet in terms of their fitness level or else they get fined monthly. Um, and I looked through them and I thought to myself, like, I, th- I, I think I can do all of these. Um, and I just, I, it aligns with my, my views on fitness. Like in gym box, most of the trainers weren't fit. Um, you know, the fitness industry, uh, the term fitness is lost, I think. Uh, it's more the, the vanity industry. You know, you look at fitness models, there's nothing there about fitness or the, the fitness industry. It's all about aesthetics. Um, so just what they stood for, their values, and um, aligned with my own. So I just reached out to the owner, reached out to him on Instagram, basically just said, mate, I can do all of your tests. Uh, can, I have a, can I have a job? Um, and then he was in London at the time, so he met me a few days later. And then we, uh, we trained together, uh, we had a chat, and then he offered me the job. So I said, look, I still want to go to Bali for a couple of months, but is it okay if I start after that? And he said, yeah, absolutely fine. So that was it. That's so cool. That's so cool. I love that. Um, yeah, with the, with the standards then, so explain a little bit more how that works because I, I'm so interested by that. I, did, I had no idea there was a fine system in place <laughs> for a start. That's, that's ridiculous, but that's cool as well. Um, so... So, 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 so explain it to our audience then. So it's two, is it two tests a month of the standards? That's right. Yeah. I think we must have about 50, uh, fitness tests now. Um, they are split between four different attributes as it stands. They are strength, muscle endurance, aerobic capacity and GPP and general physical preparedness, which is essentially mixed modality workouts, uh, like CrossFit style workouts. And each month we'll, we'll target a specific attribute. So this month is GPP. Uh, so we'll get two tests from that. Dean Vallis is the head of trainer standards. So he just distributes two tests to each of the, mem- the, the team members. Yeah, if you don't pass one, you get fined 50 pounds from your paycheck. If you don't pass two, you get fined 100 pounds. <laughs> Are they constantly changing or do you, have, do you have like the year to prepare for them? Are they, are they the same every year or how does that work? You can you can see the list of the tests on the website. So the tests of it remain the same. Um, so the idea would be if you are particularly weak in one area, it'd be a wise idea to to train for that um, in advance. But the, the the idea really is that you should be um, fit enough to to pass any of the standards within a couple of weeks of training or a month of training if need be. And is, yeah. is there is there like a really big, is it like uh, an event almost in the gym? You know, is it all the trainers doing the 
tests on the same day on the same night or is it just kind of something you try and fit in around clients or is there like almost like a buzz around the gym and everyone's sort of you know hyping each other up there's yeah yeah there's there's bits of that um so obviously we, we all live on the same compound so we all train in the same gym so we're always bumping into each other um often we'll be given similar tests or the same tests and um, so we might train together at the end of the month every month we have a brunch day which is just like a big throwdown. Sometimes the tests get included in that. Sometimes they don't, but that's always that's always good fun. And it's always geared around the, the, the attribute that we're targeting that month as well. Um, before COVID, every three months, that brunch day would be in a neighboring country, which was, which was fun. That was nice. So we'd go to Bahrain or we'd go to Dubai. But yeah, obviously COVID, I put an end to that. What are the restrictions like over there at the moment? Are you confined to home at the moment or what's the, what's the plan? Um, no. So I think everything's just opened up again. Uh, everyone wears a mask. I, I did actually come back to London, obviously, for NFG. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things I noticed, which was quite surprising, because I was so overly aware of like wearing my mask and being careful on the flight and on the tube as well, because everyone wears it on the tube. Then I got off the tube and I was after about 10 minutes of walking down the street, I realized I was the only one wearing a mask. Um, so yeah, in Saudi, in, in Saudi, basically you do what you're told, you know, if, if the <laughs> yes. rules are there and you, you're going to abide by them. So um, there was last year about three months where it was like full on lockdown. And um, there was a curfew to begin with and then it was full on lockdown. Um, but yeah, we're very fortunate in that we have our gym on site and there's a pool and things so even in those circumstances it's not too bad and how have you found the the, the lifestyle change because obviously there's the the gym there you have the, the compound but there's obviously going to be a big climatic difference living there and maybe like a big cultural difference have you found it's like improved your performance working in we saw you running in like the desert on your instagram and things like that i mean how have you sort of adjusted was it quite a steep adjustment curve or I'm pretty easy going. Um, so I don't mind it too much. I know a lot of people do struggle. Um, we, there's not a huge amount to do in Riyadh, but so we, we, we relatively keep ourselves to ourselves on the compound for the most part. Obviously there's huge cultural differences, um, but it's not as, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be, to be honest. Um, the clientele we work with are all, very high end so we you know we see the one percent of the one percent in our day-to-day lives so we probably don't see some of the other aspects as well um yeah the climate it's it's pretty mild at the moment i think we're about 30 35 so come summertime we'll go you know mid 40s early 50s yeah i was gonna say for some reason that's for sure but you've got the ac of course yeah you've got your uh AC in place. It's built, it's built for it, yeah. You don't spend much time outside in the summer. It's not like London where, you know, come summertime at 30 degrees, there's no AC and you're just dying. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not too bad. And so do you see yourself, I mean, when you when you made that decision to move, obviously you were thinking of Bali as well as like a potential option. Do you see your time in Riyadh as like, you know, a five-year period, three-year you know, three period, or are you just kind of going with the flow and still potentially going on elsewhere or do you just kind of wait until it gets 
comfortable, as you said, with what you found in London and then sort of seek out the next opportunity? Yeah, obviously, I mean, if you've looked at my Instagram, Louise has entered my life. Hmm. So um, I've got to take that into consideration <laughs> as well. Um, so my time here is probably limited anyway. You, it, you can only stay in Saudi for so long. Um, so yeah, possibly by the end of this year, we may see some changes. I don't think Bali is the one for me. I think I quite quickly realized, even when I went there for a couple of months, that the paradise life isn't all it's cracked up to be. I thrive off of purpose, um, you know, getting stuck into things, having like friends and family around. Um, so I'd probably just come back to the UK, to be honest. I was just going to say, is there any any plans to compete as well? Um, when obviously restrictions are lifted here, are you planning on any more competitions or anything? So at the moment, I'm enjoying just relaxing a bit. I'm weightlifting, getting back into my weightlifting. Um, obviously maintaining my fitness and my aerobic capacity. But uh, I went about a year and a half of no weightlifting because I was training very specifically for uh, NFG. And as you know, there's no weightlifting in NFG. Um, so when I when I have a purpose, I'll I'll dial in on that purpose. But I do, like I say, I do thrive off of training for a purpose. So especially when I come back to the UK, I'm sure I'll get dragged into competing again. Um, but at the moment, no real um, intentions, nothing on the horizon. Um, like you mentioned. I did the long run in the desert, uh, the 100K. So I, I like to try and do something like that once a year as well. Mm-hmm. So there was something like that on the, the cars. I think we were thinking about doing the Great Wall of China this year, but COVID's got in the way of that. So I think that's going to go for 2022. So we'll find something. Well, and that would have been running the length of the, of the Great Wall of China. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know how long the Great Wall of China is, but I know I couldn't <laughs> run anywhere near the length of it. Uh, no, I think it's just a marathon. It's a marathon. Okay. Okay. And is there any sort of competitions that are based in the Middle East that you can maybe tap into? I mean, obviously, COVID has pretty much put a stop to all of that. But, I mean, you do see a lot of people who go out there and compete and, and train out there in the sort of place where you are. Was there any sort of competitions that are based out in Saudi Arabia? Yeah, so we had a competition early last year called Sand Clash, which was uh, it was open to expats in teams of three, which we did. Uh, me, Dean, and a guy called Lukey Braun. Don't know if you know him. Um, works for Black Box, and um, so he was in the the region anyway. Um, with Black Box, managed to drag him in, uh, which was great fun. Uh, the individuals were restricted to essentially the region the region's um athletes um and i think uae is probably a bit more open um saudi's just a little bit behind when it comes to functional fitness and um just generally progressing um and opening up but it's getting there so give it a couple of years i think there definitely will be more and when you said you're about coming back to the uk um do you think that would be back to London? Obviously, you've been there sort of before, or do you see yourself moving to somewhere else again? Or you've got family still based in, in Scotland, in Aberdeen. I mean, would you ever move back there? That would be another big sort of temperature clash if you went back. But how, yeah, how do you, where do you sort of see yourself moving back to then, I guess? 
Yeah. Um, honestly, Aberdeen is yeah is in is in my past, like, and it will remain there. Um, London for me was was huge. Um, in terms of just growing as a person. Uh, yeah, so I wouldn't go back to Aberdeen. Uh, most likely London. That's where most of my friends are now. Um, most of my family, my mom and my brother, live in southeast Kent as well, so it's not too far. Yeah, so we're probably looking at London, if I'm honest. And you mentioned before a few of the other sort of male athletes who are competing in the Open at the moment, like Zach George uh and, and so on have you ever had a chance to uh, you know work out with these guys train with any of these guys i mean is that something that you could potentially do i think well i was a member of wit for a while so you get some of the big the big dogs uh coming through there from time to time but no um and I, i'm sure i would benefit a lot from it like i said earlier it's always a good idea to be you know surrounded by people who are better than you yeah. Um, but yeah, I've never had that luxury, unfortunately. Um, you know, most of them are up north as well. Mm, yeah, there's very few top athletes um, around London. I've just been uh, watching the JST series last night. All the guys getting ready for the Open. So uh, no, I'm excited. To, I think for the first time this CrossFit Open, I'm actually excited for it from a, like a spectator's, a fan's perspective. Yeah. So I've stripped back my my ego and I'm just going to enjoy it and, and let them do it, you know. And what what uh, you said at the moment, you're focusing uh, quite a lot on your weightlifting. I saw the other day you did, I think it was it 110 or 120 snatch. Uh, what what sort of numbers are you kind of pushing for? Is there a specific, like once you get to this, you're going to maybe put your focus elsewhere? Because I know you like having like a purpose. What's the weightlifting goal at the moment? I've always loved the idea of having a 300 total. That is going to require a lot of work on my my jerk, especially. So I think my PBs are well, my PBs are one twenty snatch, and a one forty two um, clean and jerk. But my PB clean is one sixty one. So yeah, my jerk needs some work. And to be on to be honest, I'm a little bit off those numbers at the moment. So yeah, if this year I could get close to a three hundred total, that'd be amazing. That's cool. One thing about the, it kind of goes back back a step, I guess, but the, the training standards that you have at uh, 24N, do, do they change based upon, say one year you hit a certain number, does that then go up the next year? Or do you, is there like a base, a base number you have to hit, for example? I mean, do they know you're going to be hitting a certain number and therefore they up it each year so that you're progressing? Or is it just kept at a sort of base, like this is the standard, anything above it is... That's it. The standards are the standards. So that's what's expected of you, but it doesn't mean that that's what you're limited to. Mm. So, you know, you always want to push yourself to exceed what you have done in the past, but they are seen as the minimum expectations. Mm. Um, And to be fair, not all of them are are easy. Mm. Yeah, they all look pretty hard yeah. um I, I, yeah I, th- I think one of the first posts when i started following you when i you know classic start following someone new on instagram have a little scroll back see what they've been up mm-hmm. to um and i remember there was what i think it was one you were talking about the reason why you moved out there the standards were something that kind of aligned with your ideals of fitness mm-hmm. and uh was it that was like you tried to pass all of them within <laughs> a month was it or two months 
Yeah, so I came out in September, mid-September, and then I decided to try and tackle them all in October. And <laughs> Has I anyone ever done that all... before? No, no, I don't think anyone had ever passed them all in general. But um, that was where my, my training, my training, I think, I feel like my training's evolved a little bit since then. But at that point, I was still throwing shit at the wall, you know, I was just getting, going in there and hammering myself. So I was more than happy to just tackle everything. And we got through all of them except one, the 400 meter run in sub one minute. And I was, it was the last two days and I got 101 and my legs were already fried from everything else I've been doing. I got 101 that morning, that evening. And again, I went out 101 again, the next day, 101. And then in the evening about 103. So, So close, but then about two, three days later, uh, I got it. I did 58. Uh, yeah, nice. obviously, obviously, it's not the same. So. <laughs> and uh, is is there any sort of fitness? You said there's, you know, there could be like as many as 50. Is there any that no one's ever achieved? You know, like certain like combinations of lifts within 24 hours. Is there like a wall that they have where there's like a, a leaderboard, or is there that sort of level of competition, or do people make up standards? You know, for you to try and achieve. We do add standards. We mm-hmm. we add standards from time to time. So there's always going to be something you haven't done yet. And mm. uh, we have got a big whiteboard that Dean is in control of. So if you pass the standards, you'll, you'll put your time on the whiteboard. So the idea being, and that gets wiped every year as well. So the idea being you try to fill up that whiteboard as much as you can. Also, I was going to say, you talking about moving back to London. I know that 24N also, it does it have a, a, well, I know that it has a, May, is it a Mayfair? um gym or is that just opening or is that something that you can move within sort of the same organization back to potentially or would you like to sort of then move on somewhere else yeah so we've got a 24 mayfair which opened early last year Hmm. Uh, obviously not the ideal time to open a gym in central london (laughs) but yeah there's there's always the possibility that kids i could work there the head coach there Stu. um he used to live out here. He's a phenomenal coach and a good friend. So there's a room there. Um, I'm working on a few other things at the moment that I'd like to pursue. So hopefully those go well and um, I won't have to <laughs> um, go back to, to coaching in the gym, but we'll see. Just to expand on that, I'm, I'm hoping to launch an app in August. Nice. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. That'd be some sort of online coaching platform, I presume. Uh, keeping our cards fairly close to our chest, but it's, okay. it's built around the standards right. um, and expanding on that. Mm. Um, and just the idea being to, to provide people with purpose when it comes to their training yeah. and to define fitness. Like I, I mentioned earlier, fitness has lost its meaning to some extent. I love that. Um, that's, so, that's so cool. Yeah, I do like that. Um, what... So in the interest of time, because we've not got long left, I thought it'd be a good idea to maybe just sort of leave our audience. As I said, um, most of our audience being a sort of functional fitness based enthusiasts. Um, as someone who has competed in one events, at the, uh, in our opinion, at the sort of top standard, what, would, what advice would you give individuals and team members, anyone competing in a, a, any event such as yeah, National Fitness Games, Turf Games, those style, what so what advice would you give for people to train 
in order to do well at those events? Sure. Um, so first, I would identify what is required to do well at that event. Mm. Regardless of what sport it is, regardless of what event it is, there's going to be some relatively obvious prerequisites and then identify where you're weak in relation to those prerequisites. So, you know, you can look at the past events, the past years, what sort of weights were prescribed. Can you lift those comfortably? Will you be competitive in the strength event? If not, then, you know, you're going to have to work on your strength. If you're not strong enough to compete at a high level in, in CrossFit or functional fitness, that's just going to, you know, prevent you from being competitive. So first and foremost, you're going to have to build your strength um, to a level at which, you know, you're competitive. Um, outside of that, build your foundations and your movement proficiency and then peak for the event itself. So what I see a lot of is people just hammering themselves all the time, year on, year out. If you're going to try to build your strength and your aerobic capacity and your movement proficiency efficiently, you're probably going to want to just back off the high intensity work uh, for a period of time, build your foundation, build your base. And then about two, three months out of competition, that's where you, you sharpen the swords. That's where you start dialing in. Um, and again, look at what's required of you. Um, anticipate what exercises are going to come up, what time domains are going to come up, um, what energy systems are going to be tested, and, and really dial in. So, yeah, specificity is uh, key. And building your base, periodizing your training, I would say, is, is key as well. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic advice. Fantastic advice. I think, yeah, unfortunately, Rob, we are going to have to wrap up there in uh, the interest of time, as as Rose said. Uh, we obviously want to give you a chance to plug, you know, your Instagram page, for example, where people can find you, because I'm sure people want to keep uh, up to date with the app that's coming up. So, yeah, where can people find you? That would be Rob Hartley Fitness. Yeah. Uh, thank you to everyone who's listened this far. Um, <laughs> to my first ever podcast, so little bit of a daunting experience but uh, a great experience all the same so thank you so much for having me yeah not a problem awesome. and obviously best of luck with with the app and sort of all future ventures we will hopefully see you at uh, an event soon if, if we're at the same event we'll obviously come over and say hi that'd be awesome but uh yeah thanks a lot for taking the time rob really appreciate yeah. it yeah thanks rob appreciate that mate please, please do yeah absolute pleasure thank you guys yeah not cheers a problem. cheers mate bye see you later man bye